0: Amen, beautiful song, and well done. Lord, it surely is about the cross, and without the, the cross of Calvary, the death, burial, resurrection, we'd have no hope of heaven. But thank you that you loved us so much that you made a way for us to come home and to be made right with you. And Lord, I pray today that the gospel would shine forth from this place with clarity that you'd give understanding to the hearers, and Lord, for those who are born again, that you'd begin to help them see the glory that you bestowed upon us, the incredible gifts that accompany salvation. Give me the words to say for these moments, and give us eyes to see and ears to hear, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. We start our series this morning entitled The New You your identity in Christ. So it may not surprise you that I'm going to preach a message entitled The New You. And uh, what I want to do today is really just take a verse that is familiar to many Christians and begin to use as a starting place to dive into the wonderful benefits of salvation. I want us to learn the amazing depth of this well-known Bible verse. Every believer understands that the salvation of the soul through saving faith in Jesus Christ changes everything. We understand that, don't we? It's an amazing thing to be saved. Salvation changes our destination. Before we were born again, uh, we were condemned before God, guilty before God reserved for destruction in a terrible place called the Lake of Fire. Thankfully, God loved us and didn't want anyone to go there, so He made a way of salvation for every sinner who will believe in the person and work of Christ. They'll believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He died on the cross to pay for their sin, was buried and rose again, and they'll receive Him as their personal Savior. The Bible says in that very moment, He takes away our guilt, He pronounces us innocent, The debt is paid. When God looks at us, He no longer sees guilty Paul Chapman. He sees my son Paul Chapman because of what Jesus did for me. Isn't that a blessing? If you're born again, when God looks at you, He doesn't see the guilt and the shame of your past. He sees the righteousness of His child. And that's an amazing thing. So salvation changes our destination. Salvation changes our direction. Yo, Before I got saved, I didn't, uh, want to follow God? I was walking away from God. I was rebelling against God. Like Adam and Eve in the garden, they heard the voice of God after their sin and they went and hid. Uh, many sinners running from God. And yet, after we're born again, we are no longer walking away from Him, but we are walking with Him. Thus, the term walking with God. Amos asks the question Can two walk together except they be agreed? And the answer is no. But now that we are in Christ, we are walking with God. Our direction has changed. We understand that God's changed our desires. Boy, before I got saved, I didn't want to go to church on Sunday morning. Uh, before I got saved, I would, didn't want to talk to about the Bible or a talk about Jesus. The idea of memorizing Bible verses or praying—I mean, unless you're in real need of some money or you know somebody's really sick or something. The idea of praying, the idea of going to church, the the Christian life, it just sounded awful. Boy, after you get saved, God gives you these new desires. You begin to have a spiritual hunger for the things of God. You begin to have a desire for the things that you used to disdain. And so we understand that salvation is powerful. It changes our destination. It changes our direction. It changes our very desires. But that is just the beginning of the new you. The average believer has no idea how much God did for them when they got saved. If somehow right now we could just download into our brains everything God did for us at the moment of salvation, there wouldn't be a dry eye in the house. There would be weeping. There would be gratitude. There would be shock and awe. There would be praise and prayer. But you know, that's not the natural state where most Christians live. You know why? Because we're disconnected from our salvation and everything that God did in us and what's available to us after we're saved. We know something changed. But the average believer doesn't understand how thorough and transformative that change is to their entire being. And... Once we get saved, life begins anew with incredible benefits. And I know you know that. But in today's message, I want to teach you some ways that God made you brand new. God made you brand new. Don't miss this statement. God is not trying to rehab the old broken down you. God is building a brand new you. God has created you a fresh, and anew. And there is a part of us that most of us never tap into, that most of us never experience and live out in the way God has designed for us because we are disconnected with it. So this morning, I have 10 ways that God made us brand new at the moment of salvation. So if I take 10 minutes per point, it's 100 minutes. I got three illustrations, two tear-jerking stories. No, none of that's true. Uh, I'm going to take probably just two or three minutes per point. I don't like moving that fast because I know it's going to be a lot of information. You're you're probably not going to assimilate all of it. If you're interested in the information, you can go back and and rewatch it, re-listen to it. You can take notes. But you can get the main point of today. And here's the thing I want everybody to walk away with. When God saved you, He made a brand new you. You don't have to remember point number nine, but you can walk out of here knowing when God saved me, He made a brand new me. Yes, I still have to deal with the old me sometimes, but there is a brand new me that God made that I need to start living out and experiencing all that God has for me. Amen? So Let's dive into this. Point number one. Ways God made us new at salvation. Number one, God made you a new creation. A new creation. Look, look back at our text verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. That word creature is literally the word for creation. So the word new in this verse, it's, it's an interesting Greek word that means something new that's very different from anything that previously existed that's one reason why god waited to give us the the new testament till the greek language came along it's it's incredibly accurate in some ways and of course we have the perfect translation here in our our king james bible Uh, you don't need to know greek in order to know the bible that's for sure Everybody in this room has got the Holy Spirit, you. You and you can read your Bible and know what God wants you to know. That's an absolute fact. However, if you want to dig a little deeper, sometimes you find these little nuggets, the, these little truths that are just eye-popping, and this is one of them. This, this word for new is a word that means very different from anything that previously existed. This isn't just a remake of an old thing. This is a brand new thing, a different kind of thing. And when God saved you, he made you a new creation, not just a rehab of the old you, a brand new you. I like that. Then the word creature is literally the word for creation. The word creature is used to signify a new part of you, resulting from an act of God's creative power. Just as God, in eternity past, spoke the worlds into existence, that same creative power of God created a brand new you at the moment you were born again. God doesn't want to improve the old you. He made a brand new one. And the Bible uses the terms the old man, that's the old sinful flesh, and the new man, that's this new creation of God that is in you and and wonderful, that saved part of you. The Bible talks about regeneration in Titus 3, chapter 5. God is, has regenerated us. To regenerate means to be regened. We are made anew. We have different genes. There is a part of you that has been created afresh and anew with a spiritual DNA that the old you did not possess. Isn't that good news? No wonder He not only changed our destination, but He changed our direction, our desires, and so on. The Bible says that the people who are this new creature, this new creation... They are in Christ. That speaks of those who are united with Christ through saving faith in His person and redemptive work, the death, burial, and resurrection. Now look at the verse again. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, a new creation. Look what it says. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So the Bible teaches us in this verse, we not only have a new nature, we have a new identity. The old things that used to make up the old Paul Chapman, those are not the things that make up the new Paul Chapman. The old desires, the old ways of thinking, the old motivations, uh, the old goals and dreams, those are not the things that make up the brand new Paul Chapman that God made. And so there's a part of me, there's a part of you if you're born again, that is brand new made in the image of God. And that's good news. There's a new creation. I love this. No matter who you were in the past, you're a brand new creature in Christ today. All of us have things in our past that we wish weren't there. We have days we wish we could have back, words we wish we'd never said, things we wish we'd never done. But in Christ... All those things pass away. All things become new. You are a new creature. If you could just believe that and learn everything that meant and live like that, that would be transformative. But we've got a long way to go. This new creature is the result of a new birth. Look at John chapter 3. Gospel of John chapter 3. and We're going to move quickly through your Bible. You know the story, a religious leader named Nicodemus came to Jesus and began to ask him some questions. And Jesus challenged him. In verse 3, John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus, doesn't matter if you're a Pharisee, doesn't matter if you try to keep the Old Testament law, you try to be a good person, nobody's going to heaven unless they're born again. Well, Nicodemus didn't know what being born again was. So look at verse 4. Nicodemus saith to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born again? Every time I see that question, I shake my head. This has to be one of the dumbest questions ever asked in the history of humanity. But this this is how he's lost. He doesn't know what to think. His mind is blown. It's like, am I supposed to crawl back into my mom's womb as an old man? No, (laughs) no, we're talking about a spiritual birth, Jesus said. So he goes on to explain. Verse five, Jesus answered, "'Verily, verily, I say unto thee, "'Except a man be born again, be born of water.'" And of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. We find out later in the the New Testament, the water speaks of the Word of God, the washing of the water of the Word, and the the Spirit speaks of the Holy Spirit. You've got to have the Word of God and the Spirit of God mixed with faith in the person and work of Christ. And that bursts this new spiritual creation that we become. Verse 6, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is is spirit that's why bodies don't go to heaven when you die your body doesn't go to heaven with you why it's flesh it can't go to a spiritual place but your spirit your soul and your spirit that eternal part of you gets to go to heaven to be with God that which is born of flesh is flesh that's the old man that which is born of spirit is spirit that's the new man verse 7 Jesus doubles down marvel not that I said unto thee ye must be born again And so one of the synonyms for salvation is is to be born again. Did you get saved? Did you put your faith in Jesus? Have you been born again? Has there been a time in your life when you accepted Jesus Christ as the virgin-born Son of God who died on the cross to pay for the sins of the world, was buried and rose again, and you asked Him to save you? The very moment that happens, a new creation of God is birthed within your eternal soul, and that part of you is the new creature. So you're not only a new creation, a new creature, you've had a new birth. Well, what happens when you have a new birth? One of the first things we do with newborn babies is we give them a name. This is really cool. And preachers don't talk about it enough. Look at Revelation chapter 2. <clears throat> Revelation chapter 2. <clears throat> Revelation chapter 2 and verse 17. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, save he that receiveth it. Do you know one of the things that you're going to get in heaven is you're going to get a new name It's a new personal name. It's a a special name. It's not for everybody to know. It's just for you. You One of the first things that happens when a baby's born is parents name their children. Now, those names are usually uh, given after much thought. You know, you get the list of baby names, 100 100 most uh, uh, used baby names, and then you use this and use this. And it's interesting, if you go back and look at your age and your name, that the the names the most common names change from generation to generation did you know agnes used to be a fairly common name it's not a name use any agneses in here today it's not a bad name it's just a name that's not used any uh, much anymore today and there's all kinds of names like that you can look at someone's year they were born and see how the, the naming situation has changed over the years. Oh, Parents, very lovingly, they think through a new name, and they give their baby a new name. And I love this. One day, we will be given a new name by our Savior. We also give nicknames to close friends and family members, don't we? We probably have nicknames for our children. Do you have a special nickname you call your children? You probably have a special nickname that you call your husband or your wife. We may not want to know them, but you have a special nickname that you might call your, your husband and your wife. And uh, uh, move on. I was thinking about this. We had a, a guy in Bible college and his wife used to call him the Silver Fox. And we were like, please don't say that around us. Please <laughs> That just just grosses me out. I just threw up a little bit in my mouth. I did not know what that means, but it just didn't sound right. But um, these are names of affection. Uh, The new name, this is what's so beautiful. When you get to heaven, Jesus is going to give you a special name, and it's going to be a name between him and you, and it's going to be a name that speaks of his love and your unique individual relationship with him. Isn't that beautiful? You're a new creature you've got a new birth. You're going to get a new name. And with a new birth also comes number four, a new heart, a new heart. Ezekiel 11, 19 says, and I will give them one heart and I will put a new spirit within you and I will take the stony heart out of their flesh and I will give them an heart of flesh Ezekiel 36 26 and 27 says a new heart also will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgments and do them one of the things that God gives us when we get saved is we get a new heart that's why our desires change our 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 goals change Used to, you didn't want to get me into church. Now I'm in church three times a week. Used to, I wouldn't want to go out and, and tell people about Jesus. Now I try to all the time. And so th- those things changed. Used to, I didn't want to read my Bible. I read my Bible every day. I didn't want to pray. I got on my knees and prayed this morning. Those things change over time and the more you use them, the stronger those muscles get and the more you can benefit from those actions. But it's the new heart that we're talking about. When a baby's born, they're born with a beating, functional heart that's going to carry them through life. And when you are born again, God gave you a new heart and a new spirit. The new birth is literally that resurrection of the spirit we don't have time to get into. That dead spirit that has been revived and resurrected through salvation. Now we can communicate with God. That new spirit and that new heart is the part of us that cares for and communicates with God. And as a new believer, you can have a meaningful, personal relationship with God that goes far beyond tradition and symbolism. You can walk with God. So we have a new heart. Number five, we not only get a new heart, we get a new helper. Look at John chapter 14. Gospel of John chapter 14. I'm moving quickly. You with me? John chapter 14. You may not retain everything, but I I want you to get this over and over and over. There's a whole new me. There's a brand new me I didn't even know about. Maybe I didn't know the depth of it. I want to live in this new me. I want Jesus to to work in this new me. We find out we get a new helper. A new heart or the new spirit is where our new helper resides. And this new helper is called the Holy Spirit. John chapter 14 and verse 26. But the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. The Holy Spirit is a member of God's holy trinity, the Father the Son, the Holy Spirit. When Jesus had to physically leave earth to go back to heaven, He sent the Holy Spirit who could be with every believer at the same time to where God will never leave us nor forsake us. You have a connection with God in your new heart and in your new spirit. The Holy Ghost indwells us at salvation. He seals us. He guides us through this life. He teaches us. He empowers us. This new helper. The the Greek word for comforter is the word paraclete, and it means comforter or intercessor or helper. Have you ever just felt like you needed some help from God? You ever just felt yeah, all the time. Well, God is in you to help you. The paraclete. And you've got brand new help, folks. Are you using the new help? Number six. We find with a new birth, there's a new father. You know, the Bible's very clear in John chapter 8, verse 44, that before we're saved, God calls the lost people the children of the devil. That's hard for lost people to hear, but I didn't write it. Jesus said it. And he said, the lusts of your father ye will do. You know why people are sinners and they enjoy sinning? Because they have the DNA of their spiritual father which is at the time, the devil, when Adam and Eve chose to follow Satan into willful sin, they became sinners, and that nature of the old evil one is in us all. The rebellion, the stubbornness, the desires to do what we know is wrong. But when we get saved, the Bible says we get a brand new father. Look at Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 <clears throat> I love these verses, boy. Mark them. If you don't have these verses marked in your Bible, put a bookmark there. Uh, put a note there. John Romans chapter 8 Look at verse 14 for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the who the sons of God the children of God, for ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, that's the old spirit, but ye have received the spirit, capital S, that's the Holy Spirit of adoption, whereby we cry Abba, Father, the spirit itself bearing witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now look at me for a minute. Not every human is a child of God like this is talking about. This is talking about the children of God who've been born again into the spiritual family of God. And because we've been born again, we've got a brand new father. That word Abba, Father, it's a word that means like Papa or Daddy. This isn't just a a distant familial relationship. This is a close relationship. My kids don't wake up in the morning and speak to me in the King's English, Father may I have some breakfast, please, Father, would you, please, Father, I request that you would... I'd be like, what's wrong with you? Are you having a stroke or something? You know what, they wake up and they say, hey, Dad, I'm hungry. Hey, Dad, Daddy, Master, Lord. No, they don't do that. But <laughs> I just woke up from my dream. And uh, no, Dad, Daddy, there, there's a, a, a relationship there that goes deeper than just a, a family connection. And this is what God says. When you get saved, you have a brand new father. You have a daddy that you can run to. A spiritual father, God Almighty. And you, yes, sometimes you go to him as the creator and as the Almighty. But sometimes you can go to him as your heavenly father. And you pray, heavenly father. Jesus taught us to pray, heavenly father. He wants us to come to him as a child would go to a daddy with our needs. Isn't that wonderful? But then look what it says next in verse 17. And if children, then what? Heirs. You know, if I were to die today, my kids would get nothing. I don't have much to leave, although I do have an insurance policy. I don't want them to know about that, though, because I might have an untimely death. But did you know your heavenly Father has everything? And that he says we are heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. You have a spiritual inheritance laid up for you from your new heavenly Father. When's the last time you thought about that? You may not have much on this earth, but my friend, you are a child of the King. That'll change you. Not only do we have a new father, but we have a new family. Ephesians 3.15 says, of whom the, the whole family in heaven and earth is named. We have a father, but... The, the other believers have become our brothers and sisters. So sometimes in church, we'll call the men brother so-and-so. And that's just a, a, a term of endearment and a term of respect. Like the world might say, Mr. So-and-so. A lot of times we'll say brother so-and-so. That's just a way that we remind each other, hey, we're family. We're spiritual family. And we might say sister so-and-so or down south a lot or in the Midwest, they'll say miss or Mrs. So-and-so. And uh, But this brother and sister thing, you say, that sounds weird. It's not weird, it's just a reminder that we are all family and that this is our crowd. The local church is your crowd. This church is your family in this community, your spiritual family. And we ought to be here for one another, encourage one another, and and love one another, and help one another. We worship, we serve together. Did you know you can leave here and you can go to almost anywhere on the planet and find a group of people that believe just like we do And you can meet them, and there is an immediate kinship all over the world. You may not even speak the same language, have the same culture, eat the same food, but there is an immediate kinship because you are children of God. You're part of the family of God. You ever see one of those shows where they find a brother or sister that they didn't know they had, and all these years later they have this weepy reunion? My friend, you and I have family all over the world we've never met. And that ought to bring us strength. All right. Number eight. We, get, we finish. Just a few more. Number eight, we have a new power. Acts 1.8, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. Not only do we have this new desire, but how are we going to fulfill these new desires, this new direction? How are we going to do that when this old flesh just wants to keep going the old way? This old flesh wants to do the same old things and go to the same old places and 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 commit the same old sins. How do we have the power to break free from that and live in this new creation? And the answer is through the Holy Spirit of God, we have a new power that God can help us to break the bonds of human frailty and be transformed into a little Christ. A new power. Not only a new power, but number nine, we have a new purpose. We have a new purpose. Everyone needs a purpose. Do you know you can be rich and miserable? You know you can be popular and miserable? You can have a good job and be miserable. You can live in a beautiful house and be miserable. You know what you can't buy? Meaning. Joy. Peace. You know, one of the great needs of an atheistic world that has refused to believe in God is they have no meaning. They're here for nothing. They're here for no reason. And when they're gone, they go nowhere. And their life means nothing. It's called nihilism. Their life means nothing. When they finally get to the place where pleasure isn't a reason for living and money and all these things aren't a reason for living, the cold truth of their godless philosophy comes crashing down upon them. My life means nothing. But See, Christians aren't that way because we have a purpose. We have meaning. We have reason to be here. We know where we came from. We know why we're here. And we know where we're going. Amen? And so we have a new meaning. Ephesians 2.10 says that we're before ordained to good works... Revelation 4:11 says we're created for the pleasure of God. Ephesians 1:12 says we're created to bring God glory. So every day, no matter what your occupation is, if you wake up and say, "I'm going to do some good works today in God's name. I'm going to try to please God today and I'm going to do my best to bring God glory," you will find meaning and peace and joy in your life because you have a purpose. Let me say lastly number 10, you have a new destination. We get to go to a place called heaven, don't we? Jesus said in John fourteen three, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Write these verses down so you can look at them later. Revelation chapter 21. Verses 1 through 7. Revelation chapter 21 verses 1 through 7. Read those this afternoon and you learn about that new heaven and that new earth. And God's going to wipe away all tears from our eyes and there's no death or sorrow or crying or pain. And He's going to make all things new again. Isn't this beautiful coming around full circle? The God who made all things new in the beginning made all things new in me. And one of these days when this life's over and when this world's over, we're going to a place that God made brand new again. It's a wonderful place called heaven. I don't know how much of that you're going to remember 30 seconds after we dismiss, but here's one thing you must never forget. There's a new you. There's a brand new you. Yes, there's the old you. You look in the mirror, you see the old you. You have some of those same old desires and and things. But I'm telling you that that part of you, when you were born again, there is a brand new you that you have access to. And you can choose to live as the new you and that new power and identity and nature, or you can choose to live in the old you, that old nature that old identity, and say, preacher, how do, I, how do I do that? How do I live in this brand new me? You'll have to come back next week to find out. Same time, same channel. But folks, I want you to understand, there are so many benefits of being a child of God. And the average Christian just goes through the motions of life being a nominal Christian And I just want to encourage you, there is a part of you that is brand new. And that's the part you want to live in. Amen? The new you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the truth that we've heard today. And I pray that you would give us understanding and help everybody to remember. They may not remember all the points, but help them to remember there's a brand new me. i got to figure out what that means. i got to learn how how to be that person how to let Christ form that person in me and continue to live out that new person. or new creatures, new creations, and I pray we'd never forget it. And I pray, Lord, that the people who hear this message could begin a new nucleus of the, the next generations of not just Curtis Corner Baptist Church, but Christendom in general. Lord, as the world gets more and more crazy, we more than ever need to find our identity in you. And I pray that through these simple messages you would do that. And Lord, of course, if there's someone here that's not saved, they're not born again, none of this applies to them. But it sure could if they would just